One of the lessons I've learned in martial arts is that standing still is asking to be hit. If you stand still in business, your competition is going to catch up. I start each morning practicing martial arts because it brings me balance and focus. And I want to know how others stay motivated as well. So join me for conversations on business, innovation, and entrepreneurship. I'm Dan Schulman. Welcome to Never Stand Still. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dan Schulman, and welcome to Never Stand Still. With me today is Sally Krawcheck, um, and Sally uh, is a legend, and uh, I'm going to talk about why that is. Uh, um, Sally grew up in South Carolina. Uh, at her high school, she was a local track star. What events did you do? High jump. High jump. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Um, and then when she was a senior, she was a presidential scholar. Um, she went to UNC, then Columbia. She graduated with highest honors from both of those. And then her first job was at Sanford Bernstein, um, where she rose to become the CEO of all the sell side. Um, and it was there um, that I think it was Fortune mm-hmm. that named Sally the last honest analyst on the street. Yep. Now that says something <laughs> about the whole industry as well, um, and as well as the integrity of, uh, of Sally. And then from there, she went to City and she ran the Smith Barney unit, which by the way had 13,000 plus brokers and financial analysts in it, mm-hmm. and then was promoted to become the chief financial officer of all of Citigroup. After that, she went to Bank of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point in time, it was the financial crisis. Merrill Lynch had just been bought. Um, there were a lot of questions about Merrill Lynch. Uh, Sally came in uh, to run uh, that unit and drove actually record profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, while she was there, which was a big question at the time, whether that could happen. Um, She's now the CEO of Elevest, uh, which is a digital investment platform specifically designed for women. We're going to talk a lot about that uh, in the show. And I do want to say a quick couple of other things about Sally. One, she was named one of the top 10 most powerful women in the world. She was also named one of the top 10 most creative people in business by Fast Company. By the way, I was named like number 70 or number 80. So you really, oh. <laughs> you killed me on killed that you. one. Yeah, killed, killed me on it, that killed one. Killed you. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and she was also last year named one of the top 40 most influential women in technology. And that's why she's a legend. There's so many things that Sally has done. So Aww. Sally, welcome. Dan, thank you. Yeah, so nice I to have you. I am so impressed that you did that without any notes. Yeah. I turned around to see if there was a, you know, something you were no, reading. Nothing. Impressed. Right here. Right wow. Here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's start off yeah. um, because there's so many things that the audience yeah. can learn uh, from you. So you worked at some of the largest financial institutions in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You rose to the highest ranks uh, in those. And now you're the CEO, decided to become the CEO of a startup, um, Elevest. Can you tell me a little bit what some of that journey was? I mean, Mm -hmm. having done some startups myself, I know how 
difficult yeah. they are. And the difference between working in a big oh. company and a startup is night and day night difference. And day. Can, night and day. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I love to joke. You and I were joking when I came in. My office now is a desk. <laughs> and the only concession to the fact that I founded the company, conceived of the company, raised the money for the company, is I have my own desk as wow. opposed to sharing <laughs> my desk with somebody. But, you know, none of that stuff mattered to me. The, the big office, the car and driver. Yep. This is, it, when I really thought during my last career transition what I wanted to do with the hopefully decades I have left on this earth, it really didn't involve the prestige of being at a large company. Um, it really involved how I could build on the wonderful set of experiences I've had to actually make a difference. And, you know, I spent a long time, what is the place I can make the most difference? How can I make the most difference? And, you know, back in the day, in order to make a difference, you had to run a big business. You had to have 13,000 yeah. or more financial advisors to have an impact. But the business environment has changed so quickly that I would actually put forth per, for a point of debate yeah. that you can make more of a difference from a startup that you can move fast, you can get the message out. You know, you used to have to buy advertising on ABC, CBS, NBC. Right. You know, today you can build a social following with a great idea um, and a little bit of flair yeah. and a lot of consistency and sweat equity. And, and that a great you can, value proposition. That's right. You but, you know, we, you know, we've really, at LBS, it's been amazing because a year and a half ago, two years ago, the concept of a gender investing gap, men invest more than women, it costs women a yeah. million dollars or more over the course of their lives, and it's not their fault, even yeah. though we keep blaming them for it. That concept, I mean, you, you, know, you Google it, there was nothing there, which is really hard to do with Google, to have nothing yeah. there, right? I mean, like, I don't even think they have a, there's nothing here page, you know? That's but the, this is now, we're now seeing it echoed back to us. We're hearing about it. You know, the awareness of it, according to our research, is really quite high. And so that thinking about what, you know, I've been so fortunate, how do you pay that back? And the real answer was a startup. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I think if you look like 50 years yeah. ago, it took companies like decades oh. to get, to, you know, 10 million people or so. And now it takes companies sometimes quarters to get to that because you have built-in distribution with, mm -hmm. a, with a smartphone. You don't have to, you know, advertise yep. to them. You have a tremendous following mm -hmm. on uh, social platforms right, right now. I, I do think you're right. You can make a difference with technology in a much broader way than you ever could have when we first started. And the careers. cost of starting businesses have come down. You know, you had yeah. to rent, you know, take out an annual lease and find the commercial real estate, but now you go to WeWorks, you know, right. boom, you're set up the next yep. day almost. Yep. And you can go through almost every factor of um, that drives a business, whether it's people, you've got consultants, you've got contractors, you've got, you know, you don't even have to have a full-time staff. And yeah. I could go, you know, you don't have to get on a plane and go places because you can do video conference in exactly. every way. Costs the cost has come down. down. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. I want to ask you three related yeah. questions. We'll take them one at a time, but I'll give them to you just yeah. so you know wh where they are. So there are three issues that you're thinking about mm -hmm. and trying to um, um, address in some way. So one is there is a real funding gap mm -hmm. for women entrepreneurs 
yep. for women-owned yep. small businesses, their access to capital, mm -hmm. whether it be through venture mm -hmm. funding, or, or is, I mean, oh. the stats are oh. ridiculous. Ridiculous. So we'll talk about that yes. in a second. That'll be the first Where question. Yep, yep, I know you're <laughs> okay, ready to okay, go. Okay, Dan, okay, yep, Dan. I know, I know you're ready. <laughs> the second is a lot of people think about, well, why is there a, you know, investment platform designed specifically for women? Yep. Like, why yep. wouldn't you do gender right. neutral yep. investment? Yep. Like, you know, that's yep. just straight down the middle. And there's some real reasons mm -hmm. for that as well. We'll talk about that second. Yep. And then the third is around diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And I want to talk about that as well. Okay. And I want to get your thoughts and uh, ideas yep. about how companies can mm. be more aware, not, I mean, people yeah, are aware, aware of it, of but it. why should they care so yeah. much about it? Okay. So let's yeah. go into those, those yeah. three things. The first one is this um, investment gap. Yeah. The stats are something like, I'll probably have these wrong, like 2% mm -hmm. of venture capital funding goes to women startups yeah. and entrepreneurs. And if you think about the amount of working capital that can go to women-owned uh, businesses, crazy, ridiculously low. Ridiculously low. And so can you talk yes. a little bit about why you think that's mm -hmm. happening and what can be done about yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so I think we're learning so much about how we are all socialized and the implicit biases we all have, men and women. Um, so it probably shouldn't be too surprising that if just 5% of venture capital partners are women, that then 2% of funding goes to all women teams. Mm -hmm. um, and having been a woman who, um, you know, was operating at high levels in a very male-dominated business, Wall Street, yep. um, I can tell you, you might, you might think, well, if it's 5% women, shouldn't 5% of funding be for women? Um, not only do the gentlemen who are in this business have their biases of, oh, an entrepreneur looks like Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs or, you know, um, any of the guys wearing hoodies yeah. and must have a coding background and must have gone to Stanford. You know, the women incorporate that into their perspectives too. And by the way, there's real pressure as a woman, as one of the few women in a senior level job to, to sort of affiliate with the guys. By that's, that's how you got to be successful. And yeah. by the way, if you as a woman are going to step out and be the lone woman funding women, you're at huge risk. That if as the same, you know, I used to know as a female yeah. operating in high levels of Wall Street, that if I promoted the white guy, you know, who in this case went to Harvard and grew up on the trading desk, like every other white guy who went to Harvard and grew up on the trade, my risk was tiny. Zero. Zero. But if I stood out and said, I'm gonna promote this individual who's different, in this case, a woman, and it wasn't successful, it was gonna stand out like a sore thumb. And in fact, mm. there's research that says that when men um, promote women or people of color, white men, their reputations are enhanced, but when women or people of color do it, their reputations are hurt, Wow! right? So we all have these biases. Um, and look, you know, people say, oh, raising money must have been so easy for you. Uh-uh, no, no, it hasn't been. And I've even gotten to the point of view Whereas, you know, when I talk to venture capital firms, I start to now ask, do you make your investment committee decision by consensus? Everybody must agree, or can one partner champion it? Mm. And if the answer is by consensus, at this stage, I'm and like, you, you know what, let's not meet. <laughs> because <laughs> I have had, it's not worth the time, because yeah. I have had too many of them 
where one partner is super excited and they go in and if one person can veto, one person says, I don't know about, you know? Yeah. And that's you, Sally, with your reputation. I I mean, imagine. Like, at least I can get the meetings. For so many women, they're not in the network. And by the way, one important point we haven't made is this is despite the research that shows that women-run businesses have superior returns, Mm. despite the research. And so, you know, you have these biases that are so powerful, they overcome the opportunity to follow the research and make more money, which is what the industry is all about, right? right? right. That's how powerful our implicit biases are. How do we break through that? Yeah. How do um, we do that? Well, like, I think a few things. Um, I think getting more women into these positions with the all-raise movement out in Silicon Valley and yep. here in New York, um, then it becomes more usual, right? If you're the one woman, it's unusual. If there are three of you, all of a sudden it becomes the way yep. of operating. Um, and look, I think, you know, technology is also to some extent solving this through crowdfunding mm-hmm. where, you know, you don't raise as much money, but you can get yourself started. And guess what? Women outperform men on crowdfunding sites. Uh, interesting. Are there yeah. any in particular that you think are great for women? Yeah, well, I, I'd go with any of them. I think Indiegogo has done obviously a great job um, there and, uh, Plum, you know, Plum Alley yep. as well. So yep. they're a handful. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yes. So now let's yes. go to question yes. number two, which is really the genesis of the idea yeah. of Elevest, yeah. which was that women need a uh, investment platform yeah. specifically designed yeah. for them. Yes. It's an interesting concept because it wouldn't like flow naturally. Didn't for me. And yeah. I think the stat that I saw, which mirrors what we were talking about in this sort of investment community is something like, uh, again, I'll get this yeah. wrong, but something like 86% of investment uh, consultants or whatever yes. they call them are white men over 50. I think that's right. Yes. And therefore, they probably have their own biases as they're thinking right. about um, what to advise and how to yeah. counsel women. So could yeah. you talk a little bit about um, the ideas and thoughts that led to the yeah. value proposition of yeah. Elevest, yeah. which is really different. So not only are you correct in terms of the 86%, I actually met with the head of one of these uh, businesses, these wealth management businesses, not so long ago, who told me that he had more financial advisors over the age of 80 than under the age of 30. <laughs> you know, which is just how the math falls. Oh, wow. And at first, That's having run these businesses, actually. I'm like, no. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, actually, yes. So it may so, not be any surprise that women- Are they recommending women, Civil War bonds well, or gosh, something? Yeah. <laughs> that women, and particularly women of color, have not connected with this business. Um, let's back up, because for a long period of time, when I was in my period of transition, I had a lot of folks say, you should start a wealth management business for women, an investment business for women. Yeah. I said, that is so stupid. Like, wow, you know, thanks, but you know, boy, women don't need their own thing. That's so condescending. We don't need some dumbed down, you know, you go girl, investment offering, it's junior varsity, how dare you? And I had every negative reaction. On top of that, I, having grown up in the industry, did what the industry does, which I implicitly blamed women for not investing as much, Mm. you know? In fact, I was having a breakfast this morning and someone said, well, they're just, women are just more risk averse than men. Nope, nope, nope. Actually, we're risk aware. We want to understand risk. Mm. As soon as we do, we take as much as more. 
Um, women need more financial education, this gentleman then went on to tell me. Um, yes, we do, so do men, but they're investing and we're not and we're losing out. And so as I stood back, I said, what? And by the way, there were lots of investing clubs for women and every big bank had one and they all failed and there were a couple of startups and they failed. And so therefore, this won't work. And when I stood back, finally I stood back and said, wait a second, wait a second. By definition, if women are keeping 71 cents of every dollar in cash and men much less and women are losing out on a million dollars plus in investment returns on average over their lifetime. A million plus. A million plus. Life-changing amounts of money. Get your hand off my leg money. I quit this stupid job money. I'm out of this relationship money. I'm yeah. starting my own business. Take this job and shove it money. Yeah. Life-changing amounts of money. By definition, if women aren't investing as much as men do, then something isn't working for them. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's they need to change their fundamental character or Think, 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 think. A business that is dominated bulb, by men, <laughs> dominated by men, that does a, does a better job of serving men. And if instead of doing what everybody did, which is here's a marketing program for women, right. you go, girl. Right. 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 Let's get it. I literally, literally, a recent a financial institution did this recently. Let's get facials and talk stocks. Uh. Oh, my gosh. Women see right through it. We, I said, let's raise a little money and let's assume women aren't broken. Yeah. And let's, instead of just making it about marketing, let's make it about changing the underlying product. Yeah. And what we found, unlike anybody else, is that women, duh, are not motivated by alpha and beta and outperforming and watching CNBC and winning and right. the adrenaline. Women are very much motivated by conceptualizing and having us quantify for them what their goals are. I want to buy a house in four years. I mm. want to go on a trip around the world in two years. I want to have a baby. I want to start my own business. I want to retire well. And having a highly sophisticated, gender-aware algorithm that knows women live longer than men, yeah, that's that knows our salaries yep. peak yep. sooner, yep. right? having a gender-aware algorithm that calculates how much they need and, sh and puts together an investment portfolio that is targeted to get them there in the vast majority of markets, that motivates women. Yeah. That conceptualization and the, am I on or off track, right? Am I going to make it or not? If I'm off track, what do I need to do? Yeah. And dang it if, ooh, here comes the Southerner, dang it if Elevest wasn't of any of the digital first platforms the, the fastest to go from nothing to 100 million of assets under management and now are well past that wow. because we hit that product market fit because we were deeply, deeply respectful of our client, yeah. deeply. Yeah, incredible. I, it seems to me that there are a couple of um, facts that were really yeah. important that are so different. Yeah. Women live longer. Mm -hmm. So you can't actually have the same amount of right. retirement fund because right. you're going to live longer. The income, uh, to your point, the uh, yep. income levels are different between the two. They're different planning mechanisms. So, yep. um, but yet, because we live longer, we can afford to take on more risk to earn, give ourselves yeah. the opportunity to earn a so superior return. Yep. So our women are actually taking on more risk than the guys, contrary to the women are so risk averse. They, yep. you know, oh, they're going to faint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's ridiculous. In fact, the research shows that men tend to panic more when there's financial volatility and Uh, women less, I think because we're so friggin' busy. But here's something important. Here's something important that that I that really didn't hit me till after we launched. The reaction I had, this is sexist, this is dumbed down, how dare you? Yeah. Was a reaction a lot of women had when we launched. So interesting. We were flat out, invest like a woman, money is power, the men have more than we do. Yeah. We won't be fully equal until we are financially equal. We were right there and we had any number of women when they saw invest like a woman say that uh-uh. And what was fascinating is then the women would start to look at the capability. They'd engage in a conversation, say, wait, it's actually more sophisticated. Wait, yeah. it's actually more tailored. Wait, these, these portfolios, it's one per goal, not just one over me. This is, this is better. This is better than what's out yeah. there. But here was the moment for me, which is that not a single woman, woman said it's for women, it must be better. Huh. Everybody either, okay, let me look at it, or it's going to be worse. That's wow. how we've been socialized. Wow. And it's so important because um, I think I saw that um, investing uh, wisely is even more important than getting raises, salary raises, oh. that kind of thing. It's just like this is crucial for your financial health. Excellent point. The investment gap costs some women more than the pay gap over the course of their lives. And here's the part that's yeah. resonated that I hadn't thought it's about, really Dan. really interesting. Which yep. is that, you know, when you ask for a raise, it's you and your, you and your boss have to agree. Yeah. So that takes two to tango. The investing decision is one you can make on your own. You can't make the market go up, but yep. you can say, I'm going to today open an account at Elevest or someone else. Yep. And do you know our research shows that the number one driver of a woman's confidence in her ability to achieve her financial goals is whether she's investing. Mm. That that act of investing is an act of is power. Is empowering. Yeah. 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 Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to the third yeah. part of that multi-part uh, question, which is diversity inclusion yeah. in general. You've seen a lot in your time mm-hmm. on Wall Street as well. Yep. Uh, difficulties yep. that you encountered uh, as a woman. Um, you yep. see uh, what companies are going mm-hmm. through right now. What advice and counsel would you give to the different managers of businesses that are watching us right now, CEOs that are watching us right now, just people who are working in their companies and trying to help their companies? How would you talk to them about diversity inclusion? Absolutely. So let's back up for a second, um, which is the research you've seen and some of your viewers and, and listeners may be aware of. Diverse teams have been shown to outperform less diverse teams. And this makes sense, right? Cognitive diversity, we've got different experiences. We're bringing in different viewpoints, perspectives. Gender diversity is great, gender of color, but all kinds of diversity, background, education, experience, et cetera, et cetera. Diversity drives higher returns, lower risk, greater innovation, higher client engagement, higher employee engagement. Diverse teams have been shown to outperform higher IQ teams. Ah, diversity, that's amazing, right? It should be full stop right there, by the way. And people should do it. Yeah. Okay. You know what the least diverse um, companies and industries are? Meritocracies. Those that say, I'm a meritocracy. And it would seem like, well, Hmm. that shouldn't be the case. Because if you're a meritocracy, let the numbers speak for themselves. You know, let the managers manage. And the best is going to rise to the top. 
what is one of the most highly touted meritocracies on our planet? Wall Street. Ah, mm. remember, 86% of financial advisors are white guys, 90% of traders, 95% mm. of hedge fund managers. I mean, we could go on and on, but huh. And then first you might say, well, could it just be white guys are just so much better at this? Ah, except there was that, that financial crisis, right? And this industry has not earned its cost of capital through a cycle in as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. So, huh, meritocracies underperform diversity. Other, put another way, diversity actually outperforms meritocracy. So why? I've given this a lot of thought over a lot of years. Yeah. It's because our biases override us. That I've seen it a thousand us. times. Yeah. Yeah. That again, we've all been socialized. What's a CEO? It's a white male. Mm -hmm. It's a strong risk-taking, usually with a very strong jawline, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and sort of the look, as, my, as a partner of mine used to say, the look of the eagles, right? <laughs> Actually, we used to have a guy at Smith Barney, he was like the worst performing of any of the leadership team, but he just, God, he was handsome. <laughs> I mean, like, wow, you know, dark, jet black hair, aquiline nose, and he, Unbelievable posture, he was like six foot four, and used to look off in the distance during meetings. His performance sucked. But you know, every time it was time to promote people, we're like, how about that guy? You're like, no, his performance sucks. He just looks so good. Just looks so good. And this is us on a micro, you know, on a on the micro basis with every single promotion. Middle management is where diversity goes to die. The CEO stands up and says it's important, but yeah. since it's a meritocracy. You got to let you give your managers the information, let them manage, yeah. and then the the middle managers who aren't promoting that often or hiring that often says, "I get that I should hire a person of color or a person who comes from a different part of the country, but man, yeah. that person who reminds me of myself just just is so appealing." And so we end up making you know hundreds of thousands, millions of micro decisions, which yeah. lead us completely stalled out as a country when it comes to diversity in business. Yeah. How would you address it? I think, personally, yep. what I'm doing at Elevest is yep. we are just doing it. Yeah. And so you think as a start, you know, I'll have my leadership team, it doesn't happen anymore, but it happened at the beginning of they would come to me and said, you know, we would love to hire a person of difference, but everybody we're finding is, in our case, you know, yep. a, a Caucasian female. Yep generally a little blonder, generally blue yeah. eyes. And so we'd love to hire somebody else, but this is, you know, out of the four, you know, 10 people we've interviewed, they've all been this. And then I said, fine, we're not going to hire. Well, it's funny how people will come back then yeah. and say, I did find yeah. that gem. And once you get on a roll with it, you have a reputation for being inclusive. And then you start to have people yeah. come to you. And so LFS today because we, have, we serve females, we, we're more females, we're two-thirds yeah. female, yeah. we're 40% people of color. Wow. And wow. our engineering wow. team yeah. is half women. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm beginning to, you know, I think we're now getting the size where we're a destination for female engineers in the city. Yeah. In fact, LinkedIn just named us as I one of their that. most sought-after yeah. um, startups, and I yeah. think it's because we're so inclusive. Yeah. Well, I fully agree with you that on this thing, I think actually top-down leadership matters to. a ton. Have to. I, you have to demand it. Like yeah. when I first came to PayPal, our board was 10% diverse, our board. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, no, we have to. Like our mission is to be more inclusive, right? right? Democratize financial services. So it, 
that's pretty inclusive. Yeah. So now we're 45% diverse yeah. uh, on the board. And the same, uh, actually, director plus, I believe, if you look at women, uh, people of color, um, at PayPal, we're 54% diverse, right. which is right. an amazing number. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. I want to move to yeah. another subject because part of this um, podcast is people um, learning from people who are really successful that life isn't straight and up to the right. <laughs> right? <laughs> It just it Gee, never Dan, is. What, yeah. what experience would I have? <laughs> exactly. You have I don't none know of what those. you're talking about. So could you talk to our audience about what it's like to get hit and what it's like to get back yeah. up and, you know, just like how you worked yeah. your way through yeah. the challenges that you have I because know. everyone's going to face them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone's oh. going to face them. And I really think it's about how do you get back up? Right. Well, look, as quickly as business is changing, you know, you're not starting your job right out of college at, and then getting steadily promoted through a company and then getting the gold watch at the age of 65. Right. It's not happening. <laughs> right. And more and more people will find themselves fired because of the rapidly changing environment. And in fact, you know, we have to get to a point where, okay, that's okay. In fact, sometimes getting fired means trying too hard and going in the wrong direction um, and then getting back up. And, and I particularly care about this and talk about it because, and you can tell I'm a recovering research analyst, the research tells us that women and females take failure harder than men. Mm. And Dan, I had people when I had public failures who told me, you, you can't come back, Sally. You know, and so to back up, um, I have been fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal Twice, mm. twice, right? But, you know, one time because I was the only senior executive on Wall Street who worked to return client money, the downturn. We successfully did it, but my boss didn't agree with it. Me and fired me for I it. That. And one time in a reorg, city, right? yep, that was at City running Smith yep. Barney. And one time um, in a reorg when I was running Merrill, to your point, fantastic results, huge turnaround. And then my yep. boss said, Thanks for the turnaround, and now we're moving on because the turnaround is done, thank you. Except, you know, I was still embarrassed on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Um, so, so to back up, the way I get through it is that I recognize how enormously fortunate I am and the individuals who are listening to your podcast are, that we were born in this time, in our case, in this country, with opportunities that just simply were not available to us decades ago, 100 years ago yeah. plus, right? We won the lottery. Yeah. I know that's not popular to say in this angry era, um, but, you know, yes, work hard. Yes, kill your, yeah, but da, 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 and we were fortunate. And if you had told me as a little girl growing up in Charleston, South Carolina, who at high school was sent to typing school to prepare for the opportunity I could have at that time of we now call them administrative assistants, but secretaries. Yeah. And you told me I'd be on the Wall Street Journal for anything? <laughs> I'd have done backflips down the hallway. And you and if you told done me, right, And I could have done them. Yep. Jumping high yep. at the same time. And if you told me it was to get fired, I'd been like, fantastic. That I would be have the opportunity to do something that anybody cared about? Like, effing amazing. So I love to say I loved every minute of my job. Even when they were firing me, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And happily, fortunately, we have food on the table. We weren't going to lose, my husband and I weren't going to lose our apartment. Yeah. So I could say we're playing with the house's money. 
and I can play, you know, sort of loose, right? And get back in there. And, and by the way, I fail 57 times every day, yeah. right? We talked about raising money. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people said no to us, right? So you read the headline, Elevast raised, you know, $34 million. Yeah. Well, how many hundreds of no's did that come with? Was that right? Hundreds oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. For sure. For sure. Hmm. So, but emotionally. Well, I drink a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I mention alcohol? Because I might have forgotten to mention that when I get fired, I like to drink heavily. <laughs> okay. Because emotionally, it's like. Hard. It's, it's embarrassing. Hard, right? It's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. But, you know, there is something that's remarkably freeing about it being so public. You know, you don't have to tell everybody. You don't, like, I have a friend of mine who got, you know, reorged out, fired, whatever you want to call yeah. it, and it was sort of quiet. And the first time she and I went to breakfast afterwards, she spent the whole entire friggin' breakfast telling me how I, she didn't really get fired. Right. And you're like, dude, Dad, yeah. Yeah. you're just carrying around this emotional baggage. Just, like, I'm not going to like you any less. Yeah. Just let it go. Yeah. Like a Frozen song, almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's, I mean, I think falling down is hard. Um, But one of the things that I look at when I interview people is there's nobody who has a perfect career path. No one. And I actually want to see what somebody did. What they do. Coming out of it. Because that shows character. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in, in this day and age, too, owning it. You know, if you're, yeah. you know, everybody's going to know eventually. Yeah. Right? You can't keep secrets the way you could before. And if you take a deep breath, step, step back. What did I learn? What did I do wrong? I did something wrong. Let's figure out what it was. How am I going to consolidate this and build on this? Yeah. And then be able to, and do it, and then be able to articulate it. Because if you try to hide it, it's, you know, yeah. you're going to get turned down for a lot of jobs and you'll never know why. Yeah. I, that's great advice and counsel. Sally, I want to thank you so much for uh, being here, yeah. talking uh, with me. I had a ton of fun, and uh, I learned a tremendous oh, amount, and I you. hope everybody did as well. So thank, thank you. you so thank much. you, Dan, for yeah. having me. Yeah, you bet.